It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. That crazy starts with an earthquake, birds, snakes, and aeroplanes. Many fruits are not afraid. I have a machine, listen to yourself, the world, but it don't need something to your own head. Speed it up and I've seen that no sheets. The ladder from the platter with the fear fight down. Like fire in a fire, Mr. Sixth Southern Gang, the government for hiring the combat site. But you wasn't coming in a hurry, you were sure you down your neck. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Your source for information on how to succeed if everything else fails. And now, your hosts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. This is the hour of... Doom and Mardi Gras that just passed by. <laughs> yes, and Mardi Gras Bloom. <laughs> That's right. We are here in New Orleans. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Hour, a scene of serenity in a salacious world. And salacious, we saw some salacious things here on the streets of New Orleans. Oh, yeah. On Mardi Gras. There's All some the... crazy people in <laughs> New Orleans. Oh, my gosh. They were wearing things from pajamas to uh, just body paint, which was right. quite, quite right. We um, saw that. interesting. We saw a guy in a suit and a tuna head. <laughs> saw him. We saw... You know what it looked like? Honestly, it looked like everyone took their Halloween costumes and just put them on for Mardi Gras. They were wearing tutus and fishnet stockings and lots and lots of wigs. The guy, And that's the guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, the men. What it, were the women wearing? It was some of some of this. Uh, we saw uh, two older ladies with um, curlers in their hairs and their bathrobes, right? And their little bunny s- slippers. Bunny slippers. So it looks like they just said, "Okay, what did we wear last night before we went to bed?" Right. And then, they, and then they were walking next to Marie Antoinette. And oh, there uh, were some fancy costumes. There were definitely people who probably wear these every year, definitely poured in a lot of time and effort uh-huh. that, that were actually creative and interesting, um, but most of them were just uh, glitter, a colored wig, definitely for the men, the, the either the shirt off or just wide open. <laughs> we saw a lot of short shorts on men. <laughs> yes. Interesting. <laughs> yes, yeah, so back to the eighties. Well, um, it was very. It was an interesting time. Everybody seemed to be everybody's in laughing generally good and spirits. fun. Yeah. And Although I will exuberant. say there were two murders this weekend. Yep. But we didn't know that. I guess we didn't watch the local news. That was a little freaky to find out. Well, After to all the celebrations with... that two people were killed, that was well. There are a lot of. I'm glad I didn't know that because I would have been uh, extra worried. 
But we had fun. Well, situational awareness. We I actually took some pictures of you at the fringe of the crowd, not in the middle of the we crowd. We definitely had situational awareness. I knew who was around us at all moments. I almost felt like my head was on a spinner. But, you know, when there's just huge crowds and people trying to push by, you oh, yeah. need to know who's around you. That's but right. But have fun anyway. Still yes. have fun. Don't limit yourself because you're so... Oh, it's going on that you can't have fun. We not, definitely had fun. Right. Not red alert, not orange alert. Just no, sort of a yellow exactly. yellow alert, let's say. What's just, up? Who's around? Exactly. Does everyone look like they're enjoying the parade or does someone look a little shifty? That's all. That's right. Speaking of shifty. Sh- we saw some shifty people, but we moved away. <laughs> speaking of shifty people, I'm Joe Alton, MD. Oh, that's shifty right. Shifty person. Professional. You're not shifty. Also known as Dr. Bones of doomandbloom.net. <laughs> Where you'll find over 900 posts, videos, and podcasts on medical preparedness for any disaster. And I'm Amy Alton. I'm an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. And I'm also from doomandbloom.net, where you'll find over 900 posts, podcasts, and videos on medical preparedness for any disaster. disaster. (laughs) And the queen of Mardi Gras. Our mission? We didn't have costumes. We didn't have costumes. Maybe no, next year I'll buy a wig. Right. We have a... Purple. A, Purple is the color of yes. Mardi Gras. We could fill a trash can full of beads. Though. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the beads. Wait. <laughs> uh, we have sound effects here. Here we go. Here's the beads. Some of them. This is All just some of the beads. Beads and beads. <laughs> All sorts of crazy things on there. If you guys can only see them, they're actually pretty. We're going to use them for Christmas decorations in the house. Yeah, they'd be great. You could decorate an entire tree with that. And I got my salt and pepper shakers. Oh, yeah. There you go. And <laughs> <laughs> Mardi Gras salt and pepper shakers. Okay, well, <laughs> here we go. We are. <clears throat> yes. The dynamic duo. We have a mission, and that is to put a medically prepared person in every family for any disaster. We are here to help you keep it together, even if everything else falls apart. Yes. Friends and neighbors. Friends and neighbors. Have you been injured in an accident with a badly bandaged bandicoot? Okay, <laughs> uh, what is a bandicoot? A bandicoot is sort of a little, cute little rascal. looks a little bit like a raccoon. It's not a raccoon, though. Okay. It's something else. So we've never, se- I've never seen a bandicoot. You they may don't have not them have in ever zoos. seen them. They're not <laughs> from this neck of the woods. Okie dokie. Well, our attorney says, don't call me, call Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy, and listen to this. All information given and opinions voiced on Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy's Survival Medicine Hour are for entertainment purposes only, and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. No contract or provider-patient relationship exists or is implied between the hosts and listeners. Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy strongly urge their audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. Ah, but modern medicine, sometimes it's get up and go as got up and went. And when that happens, you got to use some of the common sense the good Lord gave you to learn what to do about injuries and illnesses in disasters. If you do, you'll never have to prove your common sense in any other way. Smarter still, mm-hmm. even, would be to get some supplies and maybe an amazing medical kit. And who better to get an amazing medical kit than from an amazing lady like <laughs> Nurse Amy. Nurse Amy has an entire line of 
Often imitated, never equaled medical kits at store.doomandbloom.net. That's store.doomandbloom.net. Designed by a real doctor and a nurse practitioner. Make sure you check them out. Hey. Yes. You. I wonder what people probably wonder what we are actually doing here in New Orleans, Nolens. Nolens. So we are actually just. Well, we're between shows. Right. That's really what we right. are. We just came from a, a wonderful show in Germantown, Tennessee, near Memphis. We want to thank all the awesome folk in that area for coming by and uh, that was a busy show saying hello it was a relatively was busy fun. show yeah it was not a lot of oh it was a lot of fun and we're going to be i want in... to give a shout out to neil okay neil taylor thank you so much for helping us out and coming by and saying hi on uh, at the germantown rk prepper show we really appreciate it and your offer of help we really do yeah we had met him at jack spirko's when we were hanging yes, out in there. texas yes right. yes and so that was very nice of you to come and he offered to help um, watch the booth for us during the suture class, and I really appreciate that. Thank you, Neil. So we have um, now a show not in New Orleans, <clears throat> but we have a, sh- a show in Gonzales, Louisiana, just outside, really, Baton Rouge. So yes. it's about an, an hour. An hour north of us yeah, right. and about 20 or so minutes south of Baton Rouge. South of Baton Rouge. So we're going to be in Gonzales, Louisiana this weekend, and I hope you'll come by if you are available. Definitely come by and say hi. We're going to be doing a suture class and all sorts of other stuff. Uh, March 4th to 5th, 2017. All right. So so that's what we're doing here, and then after that we're going to be heading home back to beautiful... South Florida, where it's, it's probably starting to get hot again. Oh, it was it, hot before we left. Believe it honey. or don't. <laughs> yep. Well, I just want to make sure that everybody knows how to reach us. So, uh, if you would like to connect with us, it is the world's easiest thing to do. Here's a lovely nurse Amy to tell you how. You can contact us by email at drbonespodcast at aol.com. Find us on Facebook at our group Survival Medicine, Dr. Bones, and Nurse Amy. We have a couple of Facebook pages, Doom and Bloom, and also Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy Show. We, You have a personal page, Joe Alton, MD. Yep, you can friend me. Feel free. And let's see, Twitter, at Prepper Show. And don't forget our YouTube channel at Dr. Bones, Nurse Amy. And our other podcast, why don't you tell them a little bit about that? Well, our other podcast is American Survival Radio. <laughs> it is broadcast on a number of uh, radio stations now across the country, including Relevant News Talk Radio, KPJC, out of Salem, Oregon, and out of Lubbock, Texas, Radio KRFE, 580 AM. And you would do us a terrific favor by telling those folks how much you like our show, and also by... a following our Twitter, our Facebook, our YouTube, and other social media outlets. You can find American Survival Radio, uh, which is all about current events, uh, at americansurvivalradio.com. Also, at Genesis Communications, who is our sponsor, Genesis Communications uh, Network. And yep. that's gcnlive.com. Perfect. Or find us right under Alex Jones' show. <clears throat> I know, that's really funny. There are pictures under there. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> so, I think it's, ta- it's time to talk a little bit about the news. 
you know, the, it seems that tornado season is starting off a little bit early. Early. This time around. There were tornadoes throughout the south and uh, throughout the Midwest, all, all through Tornado Alley. And sure enough, um, some people were killed. And uh, they were severe enough to send cars flying, which is That's horrifying. pretty darn scary, yes. if you ask me. Uh, there were three people killed and a number of people injured. And I think that it's just going to be one of those springs where uh -oh. you know where we are starting to <clears throat> just starting off early that's exactly right and and of course there are a lot of natural disasters that might befall a community but a, a tornado that's one of the most unpredictable and certainly one of the most destructive there were lots of people that are were killed last year in tornadoes most tornadoes in the u.s as a matter of fact but you have to remember that you can indeed prevent a lot of injuries and a lot of deaths by having sound prep, uh, preparation plans. So this is something that's very important. Now, for those of you that don't know, I'm sure you do know, but a tornado is a violently rotating column of air that's in contact with both the surface of the earth and a thunderstorm. Sometimes they call those supercells. Um, and it's spawned from the thunderstorm and sort of makes its way down to the earth. And once it does that, it is just a spiraling dark funnel with all sorts of flying debris in and around it. And uh, you can see it from a distance. It's probably hard to really tell, know what you're talking about or know, tell what you're, you're seeing if you're really close to it. I would think that it's just a bunch of debris flying around. Oh, yeah. Uh, tornadoes are also called twisters. You might remember the movie from uh, the 90s, I think. I think it was from the 90s. Uh, that uh, was called Twister, about people that chase these things for, I guess, fun and profit. And they, but these Twisters have... I remember that movie. You know, these Twisters, uh, the guy who started it just died, as a matter of fact. Oh, yeah. Yeah, at, at a relatively young age from complications of surgery. I'd like to know what happened We don't happened know which him. surgery, though. Yeah, I know. I'd like to know what happened to him. I know. Um, so a Twister can have uh, winds up to 300 miles an hour. That is pretty crazy baby and a lot faster than typical hurricane wind, winds uh, they can travel a number of miles before the tornado peters out it can be ha a very thin funnel it can be a wide funnel tornadoes can bounce we actually had um, many years ago a tornado bounce ro almost right over our house knocked some ceiling tiles, tiles over and um, knocked a couple of trees over and it can cause some damage in our house. I am totally missed a number of houses in the neighborhood because it was just sort of bouncing up and down, up and down. It's sort of kooky that way. It is weird when you see. We've actually seen damage from a few different towns who had severe mm -hmm. twisters. Branson, Missouri, I remember going by there. And you will there. see a building. Joplin. Yeah, Joplin also. You'll see a building completely untouched. And then the one next door looks like something stopped on it. Exactly. It's just flattened and and everything's in disarray. It's it's really quite bizarre. It is. Uh, even more bizarre is the noise that the thing makes as it's passing by. It sounds like a freight train is rumbling right through. I mean, everything shakes. It's a loud roaring noise. You can't miss and it. That's you for just, sure. You, it's a it's a terrifying thing. I have experienced it personally, and uh, I don't ever want to experience it again. I'll tell you that much. So have I. But I was a kid. That was a scary thing. That's even yeah, even worse. I think I was maybe seven. Yeah, it was 
very frightening. So most of our tornadoes occur in an area called Tornado Alley. It's parts of Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Kansas, Arkansas, uh, Mississippi. Some of that that area in general winds up, and neighboring states, of course, wind up getting them. You'll find them mostly in the spring. We're entering spring now, so that's why we're talking about it, of course, along with the news story about the folks that died in the, in the tornado. Our condolences to their families. Uh, injuries from tornadoes obviously come as a result of trauma from the flying debris or being flown by the winds into walls and the ground and trees and all sorts of stuff. Yikes. I mean, just in a manner that's just hard to believe. There's a report in 1931 that some 83-ton train was actually lifted and thrown 80 feet from the tracks. I don't know how that is possible. But 83 tons. That is just incredible, but it does occur. Um, that was one heck of a storm. <laughs> wow. Tornadoes are rated from uh, levels 0 to 5 by something called the Enhanced Fujita Scale from Mr. or Professor Fujita, who uh, managed to figure out the level of wind speeds and the amount of damage that's caused by that kind of wind speed. So they have F0, which is winds of about 40 to 72 miles an hour, and you see some, some branches broken, maybe some mild structural damage. Then as you move on, moderate winds, F1 would be 73 to 112 miles an hour, F2, 113 to 157 miles an hour. In those cases, once you hit about F2, you can start having trailers and mobile homes starting getting some major structural damage and some uh, large trees that are uprooted. So you see that. Then, of course, F3, 158 to 206 miles an hour. F4, 207 to 260. Wow, incredible. Even strong structure buildings wind up getting damaged or destroyed uh, and cars lifted, blown away, just like what happened just recently in the tornadoes in the Midwest and, and the South. There's actually an F5, which is even higher than that, 216, 261 to 318 miles an hour, which means that there must have been one that was actually recorded at that, at that speed, I would guess. And if that's the case, even larger buildings can be lifted from their foundations. I don't Trees, think anything's safe at that point. I mean, it, and even objects weighing more, than, weighing more than a ton, like a car, become airborne missiles, and that's like just, a like a twig, the, just the, flying through the air. The amount of damage as devastating as you can imagine in those kinds of tornadoes. Now, a lot of places do have, especially in Tornado Alley, have sirens, other methods of warning you if there's an approaching tornado. And that's the problem. They come by so fast. They're unpredictable. They'll and just where do they form. S- and, and hit ground. I mean, you and I have been in Tornado Alley and been driving in storms and seen these funnel clouds and Trying to form, you know. Right, and we're looking up and we're saying, okay, it's getting closer to the ground, it's getting closer to the ground. They just <laughs> show up yes. like that. It, it actually works out so that they manage to form relatively quickly and you just don't know where. And they don't know You don't know where that's And they happen. can lift up, like you said, and then move along mm-hmm. the sky at a, at a pretty good clip and then touch back down. Yep. So you're n- never sure exactly where they're going. That's absolutely right. It's very right. frightening. So bottom line is, you, since you don't know when a tornado is going to come, you should always have a plan in place. 
to give you the best chance of surviving the event, right? Mm -hmm. Children should always be taught where to find medical kits, how to use a fire extinguisher, uh, how to get, how to, in, in some cases, older kids maybe how to safely turn off gas and electricity. And the Red Cross has an excellent page on uh, checklists for various tornado safety things. We're going to talk about a few of those things. But you can find that at the Red Cross, redcross.org, and look for tornado information. You'll find lots of great stuff there. Now, when you're in the path of a tornado, you have to, bottom line, take shelter immediately unless you live in a mobile home. If you live in a mobile home, it probably isn't going to be helpful at all. you probably wind up getting hurt uh, because these do not handle damage from the winds very well. They're very vulnerable. And so the, my advice is to get out of your mobile home and get to the nearest building that has some solid foundation or that is an, a municipality-designated right. tornado shelter. They, they have special signs. And right. a lot of times they'll have street signs in these areas that will point you to a shelter. Right. So that if you're driving and maybe you're unfamiliar with the area, I'm sh the locals know where to go. Right. Or at least you should know. <laughs> if, if, you're, if you live in Tornado Alley, you should know where all of your... Uh, local are, yeah. tornado shelters are because you never know where you're going to be when it comes. Mm -hmm. But there are visitors to areas or people who are driving through or, or on vacation. And so they do have signs. And so if you are visiting a tornado alley area, just take it upon yourself to figure out where your shelters are as you're driving along or maybe near the hotel that you're at. The hotel and the activities could be, yeah. that you're doing. The hotel could be a tornado shelter by itself. It it just it just might be, but find out just so you're aware of of where you need to go if you had to go. Exactly. So, I would recommend if you happen to live in Tornado Alley and you have the opportunity to build an underground shelter, have a basement, things oh, like yeah. that. Outfit it so that you can. Be protected and survive. When you're home, yeah. you can get right in there. That's right. Now That's not always an option, though. Now, remember, you're not. We're, I'm not suggesting that you build a bunker necessarily. Not a bunker to live of, in. To right? live in. Because, I mean, basically, you have to realize that a tornado is, relatively, is a relatively short-term, violent event. And it only has to... Any shelter, underground shelter, for example, would only have to provide safety for a relatively short sure, period right, of time. Right, You know, it doesn't have you to be You don't need a television. Large. You right. don't need cable down there. You don't... Right. It right. doesn't even have to be very big. Maybe eight <clears throat> feet, ten square feet per person that's going to be using it. That would be probably acceptable for your purpose. And if you think about it, if a family's going down there, pretty much you're all going to be huddled together anyway because you're frightened. You know, right. it's it's not like you're That's all right. going to be spread out, you know, one laying on the couch and one sitting at a desk. You're all going to be jammed up together because you're scared. And you, of course, the parents are going to want to be hug hugging and holding yeah. their children for extra protection. I mean, we've heard of, unfortunately, parents being killed by falling debris. And underneath this parent, they find a child. And the parent child, had thrown yeah. themselves over the child to protect them. So parents are going to be holding onto their kids. So you're right. The space doesn't need to be 
livable. It doesn't need to be hotel room size. Right, but you do have to consider ventilation. It should be well ventilated. Yes. And, of course, if there are people that special needs, older folk, things like that, just in case you happen to get stuck in that shelter for a period of time, you know, just have medicines and, you know, have definitely have water and, and enough items to a last a little while if you need. A few flashlights, yeah. extra batteries. Yes. It doesn't have to be a lot. Exactly. And a way to communicate with the outside world. Right. I think that would be, would be a great idea. an awesome idea. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Even if it's like a ham radio. Now, you don't have to necessarily have an underground shelter, although I think that's safe, the safest way to do this, but you could have a safe place in the house where family members can gather. And so, of course, a basement is the best, but there are people that have inside rooms that don't have windows, for example, or closets that are deep inside the house itself that are they're protected by a number of other walls uh, before you get to the outside. But this is not going to help could, you if you're in a trailer, though. No. In a mobile home. None of this helps with if you're these, in a trailer. Get, those, get out. Get those out, out, out. Those are so scary. Exactly. With, with tornadoes. If you have a home, a, a solidly built home, then they, you can consider an inside room or right. an inside closet without um, windows, you know, and stick stick to the corner. Exactly. Exactly. The corner of the wall. Um, for added protection, another useful thing would be you get one of your mattresses and put it right over you as almost like a like a lean-to against the wall or right on top of your body. Mm-hmm. That will help provide an additional shield. I think that is a good, a good idea. And suggesting that everybody in the family does this, you know, has has the idea of getting into the right room mm-hmm. with if things are, are going to go south with regards to the tornado and ha- being covered by something that's relatively solid. Right. I think that that would be something that would say, would definitely save lives. Well, just lives. like people do fire drills. Right. You should be doing tornado drills. Exactly. Living in that area and, and also having all the alternative alternatives alternative scenarios specifically okay you're out in a car you're out in on this road what are you going to do Susie who's 16 and just started driving and what are you going to do Johnny who's 17 who doesn't think anything bad will ever happen to them and having having drills and explaining to your children in different places if you're in the grocery store if you're at the gas station if you're driving on the road what are the safest things that you can do to stay, hopefully, safe during a, a sudden tornado. Well, let's talk about being on the road. If you're in a car, if you can, if you can drive to a shelter and get into the shelter safely, that's the first thing you should do. Of course. Okay. And now, you may be hesitant to leave your vehicle, sure, but you have to remember that they can be tossed easily by Those high winds. Those are replaceable. And, and there was a guy who died, as a matter of fact, young man who died when his car was just took off flying in the, the recent tornadoes. So, and But let's just be clear. Material possessions can be replaced, and if they can't be replaced, who cares? As long as you're still alive. It doesn't matter. It's only stuff, right? It's just stuff. Human lives cannot be replaced. Exactly the right. The people that you love cannot be replaced. So that's what you have to take care of. Forget all the stuff. Don't stop to grab pictures or videos or electronics that you want to, quote, save before you go into your closet 
or to the shelter. Just leave it all behind. It's okay. It'll make you sad and upset, but being alive to those who love you is much more important than them having to have a funeral. So leave the stuff. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in life anyway. Now on the road. Either way, it doesn't matter. What matters is love. On the road. Love. <laughs> Sorry. This is Those are my little You're listening it's to true. the Hippie Channel. It's true the though. The Hippie Channel on National Public Radio. <laughs> <laughs> and if you guys don't have that message, you need to get that message before you yes. die. All you realize need is love, that's, that is so true. That love, love, song love. is so true. All right. Now. Yes. Back to non-hippie stuff. I like. Disaster preparedness stuff. Remember that? I like lovey stuff. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyhow, if you can get into a low, if there's a low spot in the road, that probably is safer than, than uh, a high spot. Uh one low spot that's not a good idea is under a bridge, though, or under an overpass. The winds can you know, easily reach you there. You're can I just really say not something? Protected. That's what you see in all the older movies. The hurricane, or not the hurricane, the, the tornado's coming, and everybody pulls their cars up to the bridge, and they all climb up underneath the bridge. Right. In that little space where the road starts. And the hill gives out. You go climb right up underneath there. And everyone always seemed to be saved if they did that. So, I've seen that in movies. I can't tell you how many times. And yet, that's not a great place to go. So, you can't always get your information from movies. That's right. Well, you can't over... (laughs) Like, you can't cauterize a wound like Rambo did and have it clean. (laughs) Yeah, you, when you cauterize a wound, you cause bur- you burn the wound, and of you know, course, you when you burn the wound, you've got dead tissue, and that dead tissue rots and has to be increases infection, removed, debrided. But that's another topic altogether. Okay. I'm just saying, don't get your yeah. information, your safety yes. tips from movies. Yes, back to tornadoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, they're doing construction. A, was that a tornado? And in the we're in the hotel, and they're doing construction. Oh, great! So, anyhow, before we. <laughs> Well, we just had do? to do that right now. Well, and anyhow, Hopefully he's not if you it. happen to be in town, you leave the car to enter a sturdy building. If you cannot remember, if you can't leave the car for some reason, I mean, staying in the car is, I guess, an option. It just depends on how bad the actual uh, winds are. If the winds are really bad, uh, it will protect you from some of the flying debris, even though your car may be moved. So what you need to do in that circumstance, you're not going to be able to get out of the car. I understand, no problem. But what you need to do is keep your seatbelt on, put your head down below the level of the windows, cover yourself, if at all possible, with something. So that that's something. Now, let's say you're out hiking or something when a tornado hits. My goodness. Take a look at the weather reports, please, ladies and gentlemen, before you do that. But get away from heavily wooded areas. There are torn branches, other debris, things like debris, things like that. Those become missiles, so it might actually be safer instead of being in a forest to actually be in an open field or a ditch, certainly somewhere. Anything below the level of the ground would be a good idea. Uh, they say lying face down in a ditch or other low spot in the ground might give you some protection. In that, if that's the case, face down and cover your head with your arms if you can, uh, and. That's, I guess, better than nothing. I don't know how much better than nothing it is, but it might be better. Clasp your fingers together. That's what they say 
I, again, I'm not sure really how much help that is, but it's better than nothing. Well, if you get hit by debris, what you're trying to do is protect a vital spot, which is your head. Exactly. So. Some people is vital. <laughs> Other people, not so much. <laughs> what do you think of that? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Well, <sighs> well I want to uh, talk a little bit about dental stuff. We haven't talked about dental stuff for a while, so... Uh, a lot of our readers actually are pretty surprised when we talk about that kind of stuff at all. You'll find that in the uh, Survival Medicine Handbook, The Essential Guide for When Medical Help uh, is Not on the Way, our third edition. And we devote a, a bunch of our pages to dental issues. And the truth of the matter is, if you believe that some issue is going to occur that might take you off the grid for a long period of time one day, I'm not talking about two or three days without power. I'm talking about months without power, years without power, like something like an EMP, a bad solar flare, one of the many things that could possibly happen, let's hope not, well, then some of the dental supplies are going to be actually very, very important. And, Absolutely. And you should have an idea of what kind of stuff that you really need to have. You, you have to think about what dental poor dental health does. Let's say you have a significant toothache. You got a bad toothache? Well... Have you ever gone to work with a bad toothache? Well, you if you have out there, you know that it really affects your work efficiency. And if you need to be at 110% efficiency, believe me, you uh, if you have a toothache, you're not there. And in survival, your chances for survival will decrease because you're going to be concentrating on your pain and not on the things that you need to concentrate on. Now... The survival medic should have a philosophy that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And boy, is that does that go when it comes to your teeth. That is for sure one of the main... That should be your motto with regards to dental health. If you can enforce a, a, a regimen of good dental hygiene, well, you're going to save your loved ones a lot of pain, yourself a lot of headaches, believe me. Expensive headaches. Expensive. Because a lot of these health insurance do not policies do not cover dental anymore that was more routine i'd say probably in the 70s and 80s that your health insurance would have some sort of dental policy with it you'd have at least some some kind of coverage nowadays i don't think i mean if you get a dental policy it's all extra and they're very expensive and they probably won't work during the zombie apocalypse <laughs> they probably have a very true small dental dentist network That's to pick true. from. That's true. That is non-zombie. So uh, let's talk a little bit about some procedures that, you know, are best performed. I mean, let's face it, best performed by people with experience, but you might, dent, uh, survival medic, not it might not have a dentist in your party. And sure enough, you at least we need to talk about it. some basis of information of what kind of stuff that you need to have and how to deal with some basic issues so you need to have some dental supplies in your storage but what exactly would make sense in austere settings you need a kit to be portable you can only devote a certain amount of space to it let's face it if compared, you're on the go right? uh, if you're on the go uh, and it can only be a certain percentage obviously of your medical supplies itself because your medical supplies need to be there for major trauma infections things like that so the bottom line is you're not going to be carrying a dental chair on your back or other heavy equipment 
that uh, that would require electricity, like or the metal gas. drills, or yeah, right, exactly, <laughs> stuff like that. The, so it's funny that I laughed. The laughing gas. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, some people can't even have a cleaning without that. They need some sort of sedation. So are they wimps or what? What's with them? Uh, you know, no, I think, they're not. You know what I think? I think if you you're going to the wrong dentist, because I've had cleanings that are not painful, which they shouldn't be. And then I've had others where they they stick those picks into your gums to see how deep your gum, po- quote, pockets are. And forget it. I leave, and it's like two days of pain, so I don't let them check my dental pockets anymore. That's right. Well, and it's painful. So go to somebody who doesn't hurt you. I was going to add. I they lost, can check it. I lost my keys recently. I was hoping you could check in your dental pockets. <laughs> I left them there. <laughs> it's true. It's true. They are. They. Are. I do have large dental pockets, but I've never had a cavity, so I'm telling them they can't check anymore. There you go. Oh. Well, you lucky, lucky thing. I've had plenty. I'm sorry, honey. Well, you know that gloves, as a medical supply, are also a dental supply, right? I mean, the one thing that you don't want to do is ever stick your bare hands. In anybody's mouth, the mouth has a lot of bacteria in it. You do not want to. But so and your does, hands do, too. That's right. You're protecting the person you're checking also. Right. And you're protecting yourself. Exactly. So get some uh, nitrile gloves. Remember, there's a epidemic of allergies to latex in the country. So uh, you should get non-latex nitrile gloves, N-I-T-R-I-L-E, for those people that don't know how to spell it. They're hypoallergenic also. And... They are very useful. Now, additionally, unlike uh, some other medical issues that you want, will be dealing with or some other traumas, let's say, you might not wear a mask, but you would definitely want to wear a mask if you are going to be working in somebody's mouth, doing stuff in somebody's mouth. So let's talk a little bit about what should be in your dental supply kit. And by the way, Nurse Amy has a dental supply kit that has all these items, so this is something that if you... Don't have the time to put something together like this yourself. Just check out Nurse Amy's kit at her uh, store at store.doomandbloom.net. All right, so what do you need? Well, you need basic things. You need toothbrushes, toothpaste. Uh, toothpaste, when it runs out, baking soda will do. So baking soda is fine. Are you going to talk about baking Dental soda picks? later? You could talk about baking. What do you want to talk about? Well, I just want to say to make it taste better, you can put uh, one or two drops of peppermint oil. Okay, that'd be On good. it to make it taste better for the baking soda. But the best thing to do is dip your toothbrush in hydrogen peroxide, get it wet, mm-hmm. then dab it in the baking soda. And the baking soda will stick your, to your toothbrush because it's wet with the hydrogen peroxide. And that makes an excellent toothpaste. That's what we used when I was a kid. All right. Well, there you go. Not all the time, but a lot of the times. There you go. <clears> so <throat> that is, I think, an awesome, by the way, I think it's Cheap an awesome and awesome. One. Right. So <laughs> Which are two great things. Dental picks are good. Toothpicks are good. Um, dental floss, of course, is, is useful. Some people, some dentists actually, um, I saw one dental article that says it may not be as important to use dental floss as it was before, but I still think it is. So I, I would have plenty of that. It's very you know, useful for a lot of that's reasons. That's interesting. What was his rationale? I really Because I didn't know. get to read that. He just uh, said that he doesn't think the dental that, floss is necessary. Well, I think that. They're, they're saying that it doesn't necessarily uh, Help prevent, the gums. prevent decay as much as 
previously thought it may not be some people may just have more of a natural tendency to gum disease uh-huh. so it's hard to it's hard to say there's a lot there was a lot more to it than that you know i think a lot of this has to do with your diet mm-hmm. it has to do with your dental hygiene and it also has to do with the healthy bacteria that live in your mouth right well there's some because a lot of healthy unhealthy bacteria too and that's from food that's just sort of stuck there you know, you probably should wash out your, rinse out your mouth after you eat, and you probably should brush your teeth after every meal. That's what, of course, Good the advice. dentist will tell you. Absolutely. Get the food out of there. Now, of course, if you're going to be working inside somebody's mouth and, and checking out checking their dental health, you need something to prevent them from biting you, especially. Ouch. Especially, I'm not talking about your dog. I'm talking about actual human beings. The truth of the matter is, is that if you don't have what we call a bite block in there, and they're usually made of rubber. By the way, a, a big pink eraser would probably do the do a pretty good job. Uh, you just need to have some kind of protection. If some imagine if somebody has a really bad toothache and you decide to touch that tooth, so, so you can identify which tooth it is that has the problem. Well, sure enough they may respond by giving you a nice bite. I so, can't tell you how many of those dental hygienists I wanted to bite. <laughs> sticking that pick in my gum. They made me bleed. I know. Well, that's, that's I think, is I their purpose. I guess they would stop if I would have bitten them. That's, you know, I'm going to have to remember <laughs> that next time. I'm, I'm good about not biting the person who's got their hand in my mouth, but if it's going to make them stop. <laughs> right. Other things that are big issues are saliva. All right, don't bite people. Sorry, I'm not. Right. I don't, I'm not encouraging anyone to bite. Do not humans. bite people. <laughs> uh, other things that are going to be very important. You need some gauze sponges. I would cut those into small squares. Uh, not that you don't need the big four by fours usually in the mouth, but you should consider getting some cotton pellets uh, and cotton rolls like uh, dentists have. I mean, we have them in our kits, and they are very useful to sop up saliva. Which can also make it difficult to see things that are going on and, and certainly sloppy to work with. I want to mention... So Q-tips, things like that. I just want to tell people about the pellets. If you're going to buy pellets yourself, zero is bigger than the numbers. As you go up on the numbers, they become smaller. So a three is smaller than a two. A number three pellet. A zero is the, the biggest one that I've seen. Okay, and you suggest what a zero? Zero's good. Yeah. It's like you just get a big, yeah. the big pellets. If they get too tiny, you're just gonna lose them. Okay. You know, if you're if you're putting some, say, clove oil, a drop of clove oil on a pellet, to for pain, you you want to be able to put the pellet where it needs to go and have it stay there. Well, let's talk a little bit about clove oil. Clove oil is uh, also known in the dental industry as eugenol, E-U-G-E-N-O-L, and it is indeed an excellent dental anesthetic, and you can apply a drop of eugenol onto a uh, pellet and right. apply it to the tooth, and it will help numb it. Right, and use Q-tip, um, Q-tips, tweezers. Tweezers and a pellet. To, right, yes, and you can use that pellet. You can almost use it like you're using um, a Q-tip. Right. You know, spread the the um, uh, clove oil around. There you go. Yep. And, of course, you, clove oil is also useful to make temporary filling cement. Of course, you can buy uh, commercially made temporary filling cement in the form of Dentemp or Cavit or Tempanol. Those are some brand names. But you can also make it yourself by getting some zinc oxide powder, very inexpensive, 
to get and some essential oil of cloves mix two drops with uh, a little bit of uh, zinc oxide powder and roll it into a ball put it in an area where you have lost a uh, filling and then it will harden and it will be a reasonable temporary filling buy clove bud oil though clove bud oil clove bud oil right make sure it says that okay okay good to know <laughs> of course you can buy commercial oral analgesics like hurricane or oral gel or oral gel that is benzocaine which is a common dental anesthesia there's also something called red cross toothache medicine dense toothache ache drops uh, there are just so many different ones there but you'll find you'll find them in the pharmacy uh, you need to have a spatula if you're going to be mixing uh, dental cement um, in this fashion or That's even some... the zinc oxide and the clove bud oil right it's now, good to have a little they're dental spatulas they're real tiny exactly now speaking of uh, oils you might consider oil of oregano which is a natural antibacterial that is always useful but Let's talk a little bit about what we actually need in if you're working in the mouth. One thing you need is an irrigation syringe to clean areas that uh, that you're working on because there may be some blood. You want to clean that out with having some some fluid in there. You have to have a way to drain that fluid out. Some person has to rinse it out, or you have to have some kind of suction apparatus that would allow you to do that. Um, now you need to dry teeth that are wet sometimes, so you can see things better. And so you might get a bulb syringe like they use for newborns so that you can blow uh, air upon an, a tooth that you need to deal with. And that's something that can be helpful. And also the air can, in some cases, if a tooth is really damaged, it will elicit pain, actually help you identify a bad tooth. It's good also to help with the zinc oxide and the clove bud oil All right, to dry that. But the, the main thing with those is drying the tooth before you put that in. Because then, after you've put that in, then they have to close their mouth. Yes. Because you need to form the shape of the teeth above it. Right. So that you don't have this uncomfortable pile of hardened clove bud oil right. and zinc oxide sitting in your tooth. To, yeah. Right. You want to match the bite pattern. So exactly. you have to close your teeth after you put that in. Exactly. You want to get some dental probes. Sometimes they're called dental explorers. Uh, we talked about tweezers. Of course, dental mirrors are going to be very important so you can see things uh, that, especially upper teeth and from below, things like that. Uh, dental scrapers and scalers are good to remove plaque and, and to probe questionable areas. There are spoon excavators. That what happens with uh, decayed teeth, if you see a tooth has a lot of decay, it'll be black, and that tissue has eaten into the enamel. The enamel is very hard stuff, but once it has decayed it isn't so hard anymore and sometimes you can scoop out with these little scoop excavator instruments that have a sort of a flat circular tip it might be able to get some decayed material out of a tooth now of course it'd be much better to have a powered dental drill but if you don't have that this is well as likely an option as any now for major procedures you're going to need something called an elevator let's say you decide a tooth is not salvageable let's say you, you took a scalpel and you tried to drain and you drained tooth abscess but the tooth itself is just not getting better it's best to remove the teeth uh, the tooth in that situation 90 percent of dental emergencies can be dealt with by extraction and so in this circumstance you're going to need ways to loosen the tooth so that it's easy to extract uh, 
To do that, you would need something called a dental elevator, a dental elevator number 301 or I forget which is 12B. Or 12, 12 or number 12B is another And I have both one. of those in our kit. And you do? Okay. Mm-hmm. And what that does is you use that as like a little chisel in between the gum and uh, the socket and the tooth itself. You actually opens up the uh, ligaments that hold the tooth, in the place. periodontal ligaments, right. in, hold the teeth in place and loosen it up. And once you can loosen up the tooth, well, then you can use the forceps. It's like the ropes holding a boat to right. the dock. Right, exactly. got to get rid of those ropes before right. you can so they gotta be take loose. the boat out. <laughs> exactly. And so there's several um, <clears throat> extractors that we think are, are very useful for uh, upper and lower front teeth, One fifty, number 151, number 150 are very useful. These are for one root teeth. Your front teeth have one root, two root teeth like um, premolars. Um, You would use something like a number 23, for example. Uh, Number 53R, which is for the right side, 53L for the left side are are useful for some molars that have three roots. So basically each, there there is many dental extractors that are usually numbered like this. Or, but they do sometimes, like cow horn forceps, sometimes have actual names or nicknames uh, that are used for just about every tooth. There are actually more dental extractor types than there are teeth. So you want to get a few, just a few of them. They're expensive items, and so you you probably won't be able to get every single have, dental extractor that exists. You have all of those. No, the A just means adult. Okay. So that's the difference. So, like, there's a 151A, uh-huh. and we have a 150A. All right, there you go. And the 23, and the 53R and L for right and left. So you so you could use those to extract teeth. Of course, you know, our book tells you all about the procedures, uh, so you can find that information in the Survival Medicine Handbook. You'll need scalpels, number 10 scalpel or number 15 scalpel to incise, incise and drain tooth abscesses, blood clotting agents after an extraction. There's usually some bleeding. If there's a lot of bleeding, you need to apply some uh, ACTCEL, A-C-T hyphen C-E-L, which is a blood clotting agent uh, for uh, that's specifically for dental issues, the little fabric squares. You can cut it to size and put it directly on the bleeding socket or gum. The reason that one is good is because it actually breaks down. Right, which is nice. You don't have to remove it. In some cases, you need to use sutures like fluorochromic mm-hmm. catgut suture would be something I would recommend. I think that would work. It's absorbable and delicate enough for the oral cavity, but large enough for the non-surgeon to handle, the, the, the medic to handle. Don't forget that you should know how to place sutures, and more importantly, you should know to how to have the judgment as to deciding when a suture is necessary. And of course, if you read our blogs and uh, our books and our videos, you'll know a lot about that or have taken one of our classes. Don't forget a small scissors to cut uh, the suture string. And, of course, antibiotics, very useful, especially for tooth abscesses. Pain medication, if you can have some available, that is also very, very helpful. And now, if you don't, use um, Tylenol because ibuprofen and aspirin can increase bleeding. If you've had, If you had to remove a tooth, you don't want to give them something that might increase bleeding times. Yes. So stick with the Tylenol. Uh, if something's inflamed or infected and they have pain, then you want to use your ibuprofen. That's when that's good. 
Exactly right. So that that's that. I'm glad you mentioned that. That really is an important thing: is that you have to realize that some pain medicines do cause you thin out your blood and right. cause you to bleed more. And so it really is important to, to pick one. Exactly. Now, some of those things that thin out your blood are actually very useful. A lot of people are taking aspirin every day for heart disease, and also supposedly it decreases the risk of breast cancer yep so an aspirin a day may keep the doctor away oh. <laughs> <laughs> or the no day. that's supposed to be apple okay yes. <laughs> so um very good uh, um, you know what we're really running out of time i'm really surprised how fast the time has gone uh today uh, as i said we are on the road we will be back in florida next week and so you'll be hearing from us back home have a little better sound uh, and production well, values back home. At least they stopped doing the construction. <laughs> <laughs> so all we need is like, bang, bang, bang. <laughs> well, I do want to thank. I, I want to thank everybody for listening. But I also want to thank you for helping the elderly. Oh no! You get so much joy and satisfaction for helping the elderly by. That's me, by the way. Oh. By getting a copy of the Survival Medicine Handbook, the third edition. <laughs> is out it's on amazon.com 700 pages all sorts of stuff some of you may not know there's a third edition out there is a indeed a third edition out i see the second edition still on amazon but get the third it is much much more well, it's much expanded from the second which is when the second was much expanded from the first well this is simple so we're just moving right along it's here. very simple the third edition has 6 years of Articles and information. That's why it's different. Aha. Six years. Well, there you go. This has been... Yes. The, is it time to say goodbye already? It is. This has been the Su Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Hour with Joe and Amy Alton, also known as Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. We thank you so much for listening in, and thank you so much for your support and kind words over the years. I cannot tell you how much <laughs> and we tolerance it. for all of our our crazy noises and <laughs> poor production values. I'm sure you hear us drinking coffee. Bye bye. Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Amy Alton, ARNP of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family medical bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. You'll be glad you did.